Okay, as you return to your seats, it's also, I think, time for uh, children that want to go to Kids Connection to be dismissed for that. <clears throat> I just want to give a couple of short announcements here. Um, if you've read your bulletin or looked at it, you know that next Sunday evening is going to be our annual church meeting, and the 2016 annual report booklets will be available uh, for you to pick up after the service this morning. We request, request that you take one per family and read it. There's some good information in there, and avail yourself of it. So you have it ready, be, have it read before next Sunday evening. Also, we have had communication from Pastor Scott this week. He reports that they have had a good week at Eagle's Nest and have made good progress. They will be continuing their counseling this week and continue to covet your prayers for them. So remember them in your prayers. Also, it gives me good pleasure to introduce our speaker for this morning, Jeremiah, and uh, he's not new to our church. He has spoken here before, so um, I'm not going to say a lot, except that he's connected with Forgotten Ministries, the uh, Mercy House, 580 Coffee House, and I think, well, some of you go to 580. <laughs> it does it doesn't pay for me to go to 580 for a coffee break because it would take me an hour to get there and back. So is the coffee that good? I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, um, Jeremiah, would you come at this time, please? Thank you. I don't even like coffee, so I can't say a whole lot about it. <laughs> but my wife's not here. She's sick, so I can say that. So... So, so uh, well, I'm excited to be here. It's, uh, it's been a, um, a very challenging last few days. When Scott asked me a couple weeks ago to preach, I was like, you know that's in the middle of the Mercy House, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm always hesitant because I just, I knew that we were going to be attacked last night spiritually. And me and Brock both had to preach today. And, and man, it was literally like all hell broke loose last night. And I finally got to sit back down at midnight and finish what I was thinking about and uh, it's, it's been a very um, neat journey as we've started the Mercy House and, and learning how, you know, to love people and to serve people and, and seeing the blessings of, um, I think we've got 30, 35 churches signed up to serve out there, which is amazing. And so it's really, I mean, that's, that's, that's the Lord, right? I mean, 30, 35 churches serving in a homeless shelter, and, and it's, been, uh, it's been neat to see over the last two, three months how the gospel's breaking down. Uh, people's barriers and walls and helping them to to work through addictions and so you know obviously we have to give God all the glory for that and so uh, it's uh, it's been a, I could go on that for a long time but I, Scott wanted me to talk about something else so uh, um, so I've got a praise report I uh, got to uh, stand before a judge this last Tuesday with my wife and my two new daughters one of them Evangelina. And my other one, Annie, she's four. She wanted to come, but she's sick too, but she still wants candy. When I was laying, I was like, you can't have candy when you're sick, right? And so uh, um, it, it was just really neat, you know, listening to the, the judge telling us, 
you know, then this is your responsibility as a father and a mother, and, and this is what, how you should love them. And, and, and then he turned to the girls and told them, you know, this is what you need to honor and, and trust in your parents and listen to them. And he, I think mean, he, was, he was speaking the gospel to us. He had to be a believer. And, uh, and it was neat. At the end, he told us that he had been adopted himself. And it was funny because he said, uh, um, he says, I can't let you go forward with the adoption unless you girls are willing to do something. And, uh, and they're like, well, what? And he says, well, someone dropped something off today, and I'm going to have to have you guys adopt them. And he pulled out these two stuffed animals to give the girls. And uh, so it was just, it was neat. It was a really neat experience. I'll never forget it on how, you know, God had arranged all that and uh, set that all up. And uh, it's been a, a major blessing. And we may be looking forward to doing that again. So we'll see how God plays that out. And so uh, um, let's pray. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for EMB, Lord. Thank you for the brothers and sisters that are in here. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for their desire to fall in love with you more and more. Thank you for your worship, Lord, the music that you had this morning. And God, we just pray that we can continue to worship you in your word. We pray, God, that your word challenges us, it convicts us, it compels us to walk in your footsteps more and more, Lord, as we learn what it's like to be a follower of your son, Jesus. And we just thank you for the time today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So Scott asked me to talk on stewardship. And, uh, and so instantly what pops in my mind when I think of stewardship is, well, let's go to Matthew 25, because that's the, the parables that talk about you know, money and, 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 and serving and, and those parables in there. you got the, the, the ten virgins and you've got the uh, parable of the, the five bags of coins, the three bags, the one bag. You've got the sheep and the goats. And, you know, really, as I look through those parables, um, it was kind of interesting because I thought all of them had to do with either time, money, or family. And rather you break down the ten virgins and you think about how, you know, the five that had the oil and they were ready when Jesus came back or they were ready when he came to get them. And the five that didn't, they, had, they, they didn't use their time wisely, they didn't use their money right, and they weren't preparing their families to go with them. Um, or you break down the money parable, and that cannot just be about money, it could be about time and, and several different things. But there was the ones that used their time and their money and their family correctly, and they invested in the things that was honoring God and then you go into the sheep and the goats, and uh, there was those that served those that were less fortunate, um, those that were in prison, those that were naked, and those that were hungry and thirsty, and, and there was those that didn't. And they didn't use their time um, wisely because they had other things that were more important. They had uh, um, their money they invested in other stuff, and uh, their uh, family they weren't taking out into those areas to, uh, to help those less fortunate. And, and, and so I was, I was like, man, I can, I can go there. But then Scott threw me a curveball and said, well, actually, I want you to talk about stewardship in the context of the church and how the church is supposed to be a good steward of the gospel and to live in missions. So that was challenging. And uh, as I thought about how God wanted me to bring all this about, the one thing that I, I just kept on coming back to is anytime any of us don't live in the will of God, and the way that God wants us to be a steward of all these things, there's consequences. There's consequences, right? For all of us, across the world, there's consequences. So if, if we're a bad steward of money, then there's bankruptcy. Or we don't have a savings. Or 
we are broke or we get evicted. I mean, there's, there's consequences. And I, and I think of a guy that I heard a story about, Rockefeller, and um, he was one of the, I guess they say he was the wealthiest guy to date. If you took what money was worth now and worth back then, and, and they asked him on the day of his, um, on, on his death, when he was on his deathbed, what would you do if you could do one more thing? And he said, well, I'd just make it a dollar. I mean, he was consumed by money. That's all he cared about was money. He had all the money, the richest guy in the world, but yet he wasn't satisfied. He wanted more money. Or I remember I, I thought about um, time and how the consequences of that is we can come, we, we can begin to have idols in our life, or we can become stressed, or we can become lazy. And I remember one of the things that Francis Chan once said is, the greatest thing about Facebook and Twitter is that on the day of judgment, prayerlessness won't be from a lack of time. Prayerlessness won't be from a lack of time. Because we waste so much time on things that don't matter, on things that are not eternal. Family, consequences, when we're not being a good steward of our time or our money, is, is divorce. We don't raise our kids and disciple them. And, and so in all these areas in our life, whenever we don't do what God wants, there are consequences. And that's why God gives us the gospel. He teaches us how to be a good steward, how to give us a heart to want to do the things that God wants us to do. And so taking all of that and trying to now take it into the context of how as a church are we to be a good steward of sharing the gospel is I think that the best way to paint that picture is you have to see what the consequence is when we're not a church that's being a good steward of the gospel. And so about five years ago, I, uh, when I first came to town and was just learning a lot about Enid and seeing what was going on, my buddy came down here and filmed an, a, a, a house that we had met a couple that was going through some tough times, and he made a video of it. So I'm gonna, we're going to play the video, and then we're going to kind of talk about it a little bit, all right?
It's a test. All right, we're having some technical difficulties, but we are going to get this. I'm going here. They're going to start all back over, and then we can hear what they're saying. All right, here we go.
well, it was worth waiting for, right? And uh, it was, uh, it's, it's a tough video. I get it. I mean, I can't hardly watch it without every time just breaking down because it's, she says it. I mean, this is what society really looks like. And we don't see that because we get caught up in our lives and our day-to-day, you know, routines and going from A to B and we miss all the things. We get caught up just like the, the Good Samaritan, right? We just tend to wander off and miss all those people that are on the side that are hurting. And uh, there was a few things I, that stood out that she said or, or uh, what some quotes in the video. And one of them was like, uh, one of them, if, if a dog can live through it, we can. Um, what will it take for us to stand up for the poor? Saving the poor is more like an option than a priority. I don't see the greater plan. And obviously when she says, what does he want me? He wants me here for what? And I just, you know, when you see that, when you hear, actually hear that, that should break us. As a church, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. That should, that should rock our world. That people are suffering in capacities that we think that should be in third world countries. But in Enid, Oklahoma, 160 churches, there are people, thousands, thousands of homes that people like that are living in all around us. And, you know, when we talk about stewardship and, and God's calling for his people, for his church, is to go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. Just like God calls me to love my wife as Christ loves the church. And when I'm disobedient and doing what God wants me to do, with my wife, there's fights and conflicts. When the church is disobedient of not making disciples and loving your neighbor as yourself, then the world around us is dwelling in darkness. And that's just a glimpse of what Enid has. A glimpse. And, you know, you look at churches in the past and you go to revelations and you look at the the churches that were you know struggling back then i mean they were called to the same thing i mean the scriptures were there going and making disciples and yet they had got caught so up so much up in and 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 doing things the way they wanted and in selfishness and and uh, in idols and they were becoming lukewarm and they had lost their first love they were becoming dead and and god warns them And he says, the penalty of all this stuff is I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm going to remove your church. I'm going to fight against you. There will be suffering for you. But yet God, in the midst of when they were doing things that they weren't, offered redemption. But if you repent, if you come back, if you start doing what you do, there's hope. There's hope. And... One of the verses I wanted to bring up was Matthew 5. And it says, you, and he's speaking to the church. You, church, you. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I mean, guys, that's it. We are the light of the world. And we so often put this church or this bowl over this light and we get stuck in here. We come here and we worship and we read scriptures and we pray. And we forget the command of the church to take the message, to take the relationship, to take your light and take it to these homes. I mean, you've seen it, guys. Look at it. Is it scary going into those places? Is it uncomfortable? I'm petrified. I'm petrified. But the Bible says there's no greater love than the one lay down your life for someone. That perfect love cast out all fear. And what happens when we take that step of faith and we do things that we don't think we can do, like Moses and Jeremiah that said, God, we can't do this. And God said, yeah, you can because I'm going to do it for you. Look at it. The gospel is being read in an abandoned home with a kerosene heater. And look at their faces. There's hope. There's joy. There's a possibility for a new life. They're not forgotten. Someone's remembered them. And lives change. Communities change. Families change. The consequence of us doing nothing, watch the news. The world is falling apart. Evil and wickedness is running unchecked. Unchecked. I just found out a month ago, a kid came in, never met him. He said, I asked him where he, what he was going, what he's going. He's like, I'm fleeing to Kansas. I can't tell you where. He says, but they're going to kill me if I stay in Enid. I said, well, what are you talking about? He says, well, I'm part of a trapper organization. And I said, well, what's that? And I heard of that. He said, well, we have about three houses here in town where we import women and children, and we sell them out of these homes. In Enid. Sex slavery. In Enid, Oklahoma. That could be a house next to yours. It could be. I don't know where they're at. That house on that video is six blocks from this church. Six blocks. I met kids this week that are part of the Mexican mafia. And sound posse, clown posse gang, whatever that one is. I mean, they're they're here. And those gangs are infiltrating our schools. Which affect our kids. Which affect the next generation. And in the last 30, 20 years of my life, the world has dramatically changed. And it's not been for the good. It's getting worse. Why? Why? Do we ask ourselves that question? Why is it getting worse? Well, Scripture's obvious. We've got a bowl over our light. We can expect things to get better. And, of course, we're full of excuses because we, we, we want to blame the government, welfare. We've got all kinds of excuses for why the world's getting worse. But yet Jesus tells us we're to blame because you're not being a good steward of what I've given you. Your lives, you exist 
You have the breath of God in your lungs for one reason. To make disciples. To tell people about what Jesus has done for you. The grace of God. That he offers salvation for a lost and dying world. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are his army. Our, our, our job is to battle, to wage war against the enemy. To take back the captives. To set them free through Jesus. And Satan is having a heyday. So where do we start? Where do we start with that? Because to me, sometimes I just get overwhelmed. I mean, I get overwhelmed. I get, God, I'm like, God, don't even tell me what's going on in Africa. Like, I, don't, I, can't, I can't bear to know that. I, don't tell me what's going on in, in Asia or China. I, mean, I can't, I just, I can't, I, don't, I can't, can't handle it. Because it's overwhelming, I get it. When you see the video, it's overwhelming. When I see, we've had up to 86 people in a homeless shelter in Enid, it's overwhelming. When I hear these stories, it's overwhelming. But yet our God is bigger than all that. He's bigger than all this. And he can take any of us that has a desire to do what God has called us to do. He can transform any of us into missionaries. I don't care how young, how old, what your gifts or talents is. Because being a missionary is loving others as you love yourself. That's all you have to do. That's it. That's it. Simple. It's love. That's what sent Jesus to the cross. It was love. That's what gets us out of the pew and into someone's life. It's love. And if we don't have a love for others, then maybe we just don't love Jesus. Because the scary thing of those three parables in Matthew 25, the scariest thing is if you read all three of them at the end, those that didn't have the will, those that didn't have the desire, those that didn't have the heart to be a good steward of what God had given them, all went to hell. They did. They went to hell. Because they weren't believers. Believers live... Radical lifestyles. Because it's completely contrary to the world. It's different. The world reaches into these people's life to destroy them. To kill, steal, and destroy. But we reach into people's life through love because we know that it gives them hope and love. Grace is our driving force. Behind reaching the lost. Because when we understand, and I want to read this verse real quick and, and close. Chris said I had a lot more time with the second service, so uh, we may go through a few more. But So Galatians 2, 19. I love this. I love this verse, and this verse has been challenging me all week. Um, Galatians 2, 19, 20 and 21. It says, through the law, I died to the law. Died. Keyword, died, so that I may live for God. He died so he may live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. Crucified. 
We know what that means. Killed, died, crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When we've given our life to Jesus, when we've made that profession, when we've confessed our sins and we've asked Christ to become Lord of our life, our old life, our old desires, our old passions, the old Jeremiah is dead. It's been crucified with Christ. And I don't live anymore. I don't live. And the things that I wanted to once indulge in and live for, all those things that are of the world, I don't live for them no more. I live for Jesus. My life is for Him. I live for Him. And what is God's desire for Him, for us and for the church? To reach a lost and dying world. That's His example He gives the whole three years He's here. He's reaching out to a lost and dying world. So if I've literally died to my old self and I'm living for God that I will want to do the things that Jesus did. And it's not because of obligation. It's because of love. And when it gets tough, we have to run back to him and and ask for help. And we have to ask him to give us strength and give us understanding and wisdom. It's like Paul. When you start to serve and your life becomes about service, Paul says, I boast in my weakness. Because he's totally incapable of doing what God wants him to do. But when he's weak, he is strong. I think the video, if it's anything, it is a cry for help. It's a cry. She's crying out to you guys. And she's just an image of thousands of others in her hands. She's crying. She needs what you have. Jesus. That's what she needs. She needs Jesus. There was nothing I could have given her that night that would have helped her through what she was going through except for Jesus. And so, church, I want to challenge you to ask God to give you a heart to want to tell people about Jesus. It may cost you everything. But we will be a a good steward of what God's called us to do. And uh, I'm excited because, you know, when you think of this message, and I've preached messages in a lot of rural towns and different small communities, and and it's, 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 there's a different spirit in there, a totally different spirit. Church is dead. There's a lot of churches out there that are just dead. There's no desire to love their neighbors. And you can sense it. You can feel it. It's in their language. It's in their body language. It's, it's, it's who they are. They care about themselves. They've been consumed with selfishness. And it breaks my heart. And you have towns like Wacomus where there's 5% of the population that go to church. 5%. That's crazy. And that's several. But when I come to like EMB and churches that that are, 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 are giving their life to God and, and relearning on how we live as Christians and, and a church and we, how we work out in the community, it's encouraging. Because, guys, we're on the same team. I'm by no means perfect at doing this. 
I fail all the time, and, and I want to retreat back into things that I think are easier and comfortable, right? But as brothers and sisters, as we continue to ask God to give us that desire, then we are a moving force that will impact this entire community. And as you guys have come down on Tuesday, and you guys have come out to the Mercy House, and, and I love seeing Scott and Freedom them leading out in the Mercy House the way they have, and, and Dwight's team, and, 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 and groups that are coming down, like Karen, and it's just, I mean, they are affecting these people for the good, and I've heard it over and over throughout the years. Like, it, it, you can't believe what it means to people when you give them five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes, when you feed them, when you clothe them, when you have a conversation with them. They remember that for years. They hold on to that for years. That's how much a little interaction impacts them. Think about when we build relationships with them and start discipling them, what happens to them. Their lives change. Their families change. Their kids change. And I believe it spreads out to the rural towns. And the whole area starts to change because there is a bright light that's shining. And that darkness dreads it. It retreats from that light. It can't stay in the presence of light. And as a church, as we move into these areas and these darkness and these areas that are being overtaken with this bright light, Satan cowards. He tucks his tail and he runs. And that's where lives are changed. And, you know, I really, with all my heart, I really believe that I think that everyone in Enon will be saved. Because I believe in the church. I believe what God has put in place. I believe in the tool that God has given the world, the church, that it can change an entire town. I believe it. Twelve changed the world. Twelve guys. Because they are obedient. We have an army an army. I'm looking, I'm looking at an army. I'm literally looking at an army that could take over Enid. But we have to be willing to be crucified with Christ and to live for him. I, Jeremiah, my selfishness has to die. Because if I'm still in the equation, then it's not all about Jesus. It's all about him or nothing. And so church, let's give our lives to Christ. Let's give our time. Let's give our money. Let's give our families. And let's just see what God can do. Because I believe that he can change people that are living in houses like that if we become obedient to the gospel. So thank you guys for letting me share. Chris, am I praying today? All right, let's pray. Um, so if you guys bow your head. Lord, I thank you for... I thank you for your words. Um, I thank you for this Bible, Lord, that gives us um, hope, gives us inspiration, direction. It rebukes us. It corrects us. It teaches us how to live godly lives in a world that is completely ungodly, Lord. And God, let us cling on to those words of life, Lord. Let us grab a hold of them with everything that we have. Let us run to the cross. Let us fall on our face at your feet. Let us become slaves to those, God, that are less fortunate. Let us be willing to humble ourselves, to wash their feet. God, open our hearts. Break us for those 
that are broken, those that are sick, those that need a doctor. And Lord, let us never look back. Let us run this race, Lord, with perseverance. Let us focus on the cross, on the goal. And God, let us do it with joy. God, as we endure the suffering that's going to happen when we become obedient, because your word says to share in the sufferings of Jesus. Allow us to endure those sufferings with joy because we know at those moments, Lord, you are getting the glory. Not EMB, not Forgotten Ministries, not Jeremiah or anyone else. You get the glory for all of it, Lord. And we praise you and thank you for everything you do. In Jesus' name, amen.